Is your team not performing well? Is morale low and turnover high? Are you falling further behind the competition? I'm here to help. I'm Shani Magoski, and this is The Leadershifter Show, where business strategy and culture finally meet. Explore shifts of all kinds required to build cultures of trust, engagement, and execution excellence. I promise I am not your typical boring leadership consultant, and I will help you and your team get your shift together. Hello, it's showtime. Welcome, Leadershifters, to another episode of The Leadershifter Show with Shaney. I am really excited to introduce you to today's guest, who is joining us from Amsterdam. I think he's my first guest from the Netherlands. We are talking to Marcus, and he is a renowned leadership psychologist, offer of 15 books in both Dutch and English. He is a lecturer at several universities in the Netherlands and has coined the term observational leadership. So leadershipers, please welcome Marcus Van Alphen to the show. Thank you very much, uh, Shani. Uh, pleasure to be with you. And uh, I hope I can bring some uh, good uh, inspiration. To you. Absolutely. Well, like me, the water you swim in is leadership development and helping leaders not only be their best, but be their best in service of bringing out the best in their people via their own leadership behaviors and creating the kinds of cultures that lead to trust and psychological safety. So thank you for the great work you're up to in the world. There's not enough of us. I cannot disagree with you. Leadership is such an underrated uh, skill. And I, I think it's really a hard skill like any other skill. And I don't believe we fully realize how much impact leaders have on the people they lead. Absolutely. You know, one of the things new leaders in particular realize is it's not the business, running the business, that's the hard part. It's leading the people because people are complicated. Every person is different and it's an art, not a science. So yes, there are tools. Yes, there are best practices. The key is continuing to practice the behaviors and building that muscle memory around things like active listening, which is where I would love to start because it intrigues me when I was prepping for this, that you coined the term observational leadership, which takes active listening to a whole new level. So talk to us about what that means and yeah. how and why you coined that term. Okay. Um, the, the term observational listening actually comes from, from my practice as a trainer. I was always really looking uh, especially a lot of my work is communication training. So I was looking at what makes it that if I'm sitting there watching two people, three people having a role play, some people, they just get it, they do it. It's, it's like it just goes naturally. And then you see other people and they battle. And I was really interested to try and find out what's the key difference. What's the key difference for those people who just go into a conversation, the conversation just goes, they get the, the right profundity. It doesn't seem to cost them any effort whatsoever. Yeah, the others mm -hmm. battle. And I sort of began observing in what the difference was. And I thought 
but I had an, an idea there, and that was that the people who do it effortlessly are the people who are constantly observing the people they're talking with. And they're not observing them as in, uh, uh, you know, what kind of glasses have I got on or, or things like that. But they were they were focusing on the current emotions those people were experiencing. Mm, they were okay. observing what is the emotion that person has right now. And by tapping into that emotion, observing the emotion in the other, they were able to just let the conversation uh, just flow just easily. So... That was my hypothesis, and I tested this uh, by by just watching and testing all kinds of various things. And it, it seems that so this is, is definitely the case. And that led me to the to, to the next question: If this is so, is it a skill, or are you born with it? And if it's a skill, then can I teach it? Mm-hmm. And the latter, to me, is, is, uh, has been proven. But is it's, it's just a skill, and you can you can yeah. learn how to observe, and if you learn to how to observe uh, people's emotions, you become a better communicator. That's it. And I had to, yep. give, it a, I had to give it a name. I, no, of course, I didn't have to give it a name, but I chose to give it the name uh, observational listening to just make it one step more than active listening. Active listening is, uh, you can also just do active listening as a kind of a trick, no, not at the right time, say, uh, at the right time, uh, ask, right. The, ask the good follow-through questions, etc., etc., and to me, this was just adding a layer, and to me, it's also an authentic layer. You you can't fake this. So, right. so when you listen to somebody and you're and you're focusing and you're observing their emotions, of course, you cannot be hundred percent accurate in seeing what the other person's emotion is because that's the other person's experience. But sure. you can get a, a pretty good idea of what's going on, and by tuning in on that, I believe that that makes us. Uh, far more empathic, uh, far easier to to just get into contact with the other person, and therefore also far easier just to to get conversations that are really near. Right. So what you're describing reminds me of something that I teach in a variety of contexts, and it's I show teams the Chinese symbol for mm-hmm. listening and. So Chinese symbols, as you may know, but just to explain to those who are listening or watching who may not know, are typically littler symbols that when combined to make this bigger word have a mm-hmm. different meaning than this, you know, sort of the the individual pieces together. So the Chinese mm-hmm. character for listening, the subparts are ears, eyes, mm-hmm. heart intuition, which is your mm-hmm. gut, and mm-hmm. undivided attention. So what I always mm-hmm. say, listening is a full body experience. We have to use all of our senses. We're hearing with our ears, maybe, but we're not mm-hmm. completely listening with our ears. So cool. I love that you've given this concept a name with mm-hmm. observation. Mm-hmm. I couldn't agree more what you're saying. This is it. It's, uh, listening is a, is a complete body experience. So you say this is a teachable skill, which is great news. Yeah. <laughs> what are some ways, without giving away all of your secrets, that you teach leaders to be observational listeners? Well, the, the funny thing is that if we just look at our own 
humanity, our own, we're, we're human beings. Uh, most of the things that I teach people aren't new. So it's more about becoming aware of the things that you do. And by becoming more aware of the things that you do, you can put them in more consciously, more purposefully, more consistently. And that is, to me, is actually the most uh, of the of the game is to be is, is to be a bit of of teaching people empathy. Uh, teaching people empathy. This is again. This has been proven in research. Yes, you can stretch up your your empathic uh, capability. Mm-hmm. So, so yes, that helps too to uh, stretch their empathy. Uh, how can you become more empathic? How can you get a better idea what somebody is talking about um, or what that is doing to them? So, so what's that emotional experience that that's underlying what what people are going through? Right. I love that because a lot of times what people say aren't necessarily consistent with their body language mm-hmm. and their facial expressions, sure. and that's part of why we listen sure. with our eyes to pick up on those nonverbal cues. Mm-hmm. So, what do you suggest people do differently, or do period when they're picking up on an emotion? Mm-hmm incongruent with what they're saying this isn't a trick it isn't a manipulation technique this is this is being authentic so if you see something uh, in in the in the body uh, that's different to what people are saying uh, to me the only the only solution is you is you pose a question hey I, I I hear you saying this but I see that uh, how do how do I well how do I match these two? You don't have to say, you're doing this and confront them or anything. It's sure. just a question. Help me understand. Help me, help me understand why I hear this and I see that. Absolutely. And I think oh, yeah. a lot of people are afraid because they think that they're calling mm-hmm. someone out. But to your earlier point about mm-hmm. empathy, when you ask it in an empathetic way, instead of being like, your words aren't matching you know, your body language or... You're full of shit. <laughs> it, it's not oh, exactly. like it's like, hey, I'm noticing like what I'm experiencing is that your body language isn't necessarily lining up with your words. Like, hey, what's going on for you? Sure. It's like somebody saying, Oh, I'm 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 so happy today. I mean, you'd be you'd be crazy not to ask, hey, hang on a minute. You say you're happy, but you don't sound that happy. Uh, help help me, you know, help me understand what's going on because I'm confused. Yes. Okay. So let's take this to the next logical step, which is leaders mm-hmm. who are more observational listeners are yes. have more success engaging their teams. And when people, employees are engaged and happy, they're more productive mm-hmm. and one of the things I know you talk about is a research that was done by Oxford University and British Telecom. C- can you share some of the conclusions there? Oh, I have to remember which which research that was because I've seen so much research on on the the link between happiness uh, and well being and productivity. Um, I, I remember one last one, the one recent study I saw was. The difference in retention rates, for example, that that 
in a company where there was uh, toxic leadership, the amount of retention wasn't very great. Uh, and in fact, there was a lot of dropout thanks to burnout and all those kind of things. And the difference was, I think, something between a 51% dropout in a toxic environment versus uh, somewhere around 10 or 12 percent in a non-toxic environment i could be wrong with the, with the exact figures but it was it was it was huge it was right order of difference. right yeah the, the research that i'm i'm referencing just to refresh your memory uh says workers are 13 percent more productive when they're happy yes right which leads so, to attention uh, when people are feeling like they're achieving more at work and they're being recognized for their work. That's more than just being recognized for your work. It's actually, it's actually far more being recognized for who you are. Um, you know, you are a valuable person. Yes. I like that as one of the definitions of empathy, right? That everyone's just a person trying to do their best. <laughs> yes, but, but I mean, but the, the, maybe also one of one of the the reasons I uh, I really like focusing far more on empathy and emotion is this whole idea of motivation. Um, I believe that if you line up with people's emotions, you do not have to motivate them at all. They are already motivated, and just knowing where their motivation is is the only thing we need to know. Sure, absolutely, and then and there's intrinsic and extrinsic motivation and it sounds like the reading the emotional field is more about their intrinsic motivations most definitely right oh i love that the, the intrinsic motivation we we all know from from a ton of research intrinsic motivation works far better than extrinsic i mean daniel yes. think is maybe also a name you've heard before uh, he says carrots and sticks just simply don't work the way we think they do. Yeah. I know Daniel Pink, Autonomy, Mastery, and Purpose, and purpose in his book Drive, which I've been recommending sure. for leaders for years because it's, yes. it's profound yet simple. Uh, I, I have that book also on my bookshelf somewhere behind me. Though, that's Daniel Pink Drive. Um, yes, and a lot of a lot of what he takes uh, also is uh, Daisy and Ryan. Uh, and their research also shows that those those three uh, basic uh, psychological needs of of a human being that's really what you need to to tap into um, when you're in the work environment. Mm -hmm. So you're obviously so passionate about this that you've written 15 books mm -hmm. and you've got three more on the way. I don't know how many I've written, to be quite honest. <laughs> So your PR firm said 15 with three more on the way. So hopefully they're right. And I know this might be like trying to pick a favorite child, but which sure. is your favorite that if, if people say, which book should I read? Which one would you recommend? Well, my current favorite is definitely in the Excellent Leadership uh, series. So okay. um, a lot of my previous work was, was far more directed at, uh, at therapists in training. Ah, okay. And yes, uh, conversational skills are very important for therapists. And I am also a therapist, so I also have a, a, a counseling practice. And most of my clients, they come from organizations. And so I also get to see what doesn't work so well in an organization. Sure. So I also get the people who are burnout. And then with a bit of questioning, I find out, whoa, that's 
pretty toxic environment you're working in. So, so I can also hear out of the stories from the receiving end uh, what what goes wrong, and and then also see what how those dynamics sometimes work within companies, so that they don't even see the toxicity in their own organizations. It's baffling sometimes. My primary interest really is how can I make the world a better place, and how can I make a world better place in a certain way, and that's by making people more empathic. And I firmly believe that leadership is one of the biggest places where this influence can be felt the quickest. I firmly believe more empathic leaders, uh, we're, going to, we're going to solve a lot of the world's problems that way. And mm -hmm. that might sound a little bit uh, over the top. It's just that's where I'm coming from. Right. I agree with you. You're preaching to the choir leaders influence a lot of people both directly yes. and indirectly and especially the yes. most visible ones and mm -hmm. not just leaders in corporations leaders in public service and politics and yeah. government leaders mm -hmm. in in schools and universities right it, that's how the world gets organized through leadership otherwise mm -hmm. it's just chaos <laughs> <laughs> I, I agree what are you doing? I also um, wish that that actually at schools we were just, and I'm talking primary school, secondary school, that we'd also start teaching our children you know, how to communicate better, give them some background in psychology that just makes it easier for them to do this more simply. I say that all the time, that a lot of the things that we teach leaders, it's such a travesty that that's the first time being exposed to it as opposed to yeah. in in school whether it's middle school high school even university just earlier mm -hmm. in their lives and i and i think not only would the starting earlier make a big impact but geez it would also help them manage some of the anxiety that the kids today are feeling even more than in our generation and you know there's so much depression and, and I think mm. if people had more empathy, not only for others, but for themselves and gave themselves more grace, mm -hmm. we'd have healthier up and coming mm -hmm. generation. I wish I knew half of what I know now 20 years ago. I mean, that, I'm sure it would have made my own life easier too. Absolutely. So what would you mm -hmm. highlight as the top two or three takeaways from those books so we can entice people to go buy them? Well, actually, um, I don't really want people to buy the book. Eh? This, sounds, this might sound funny. I, I really want them to read it, and uh, not just to read it, but I want them to, to actually take those skills and practice them. So I don't want to make people more aware. I want people to actually do it. Yeah. So uh, to me, the, the, the takeaway is, the, the easiest takeaway is emotions don't belong in business. Mm -hmm. And to me, sorry for my French, but that's the biggest bullshit I've ever heard. That's okay. I set the bar for bolt for using the word bullshit. It's all good. <laughs> okay. <laughs> the idea that emotions don't belong in the workplace to to me that's unbelievable. That that people actually buy that one. How are you going to? I mean, it's like asking people not to breathe in the workplace. How are you going to do anything if there's no emotion? To motivate you mm -hmm. to me this this is probably the bottom line is is, is stop being so scared 
of emotions, stop being so scared that you're going to get into the deep pool or something, and start realizing these emotions are there because they have a purpose, they have a reason, they're there for they're there to to help people perform. Without emotions, you're not going to perform. Right. Maybe that's the prime takeaway. Okay. I love it. And that's a mindset shift because yes. the great generation, baby boomers and Gen X have been brought up in workplaces where it was not okay to show emotions. It's a sure. relatively new phenomena yes. for that to be acceptable. And it's in most workplaces, it's only acceptable up until a certain point, right? Show yeah. emotion, but not too much emotion. <laughs> no, because I can't handle that. <laughs> yeah. Right. You know, and I think mm-hmm. the pandemic helped mm-hmm. because yeah. it became more commonplace to check in on people's well-being. Mm-hmm. And of course, that's full of emotion. We have to keep moving that forward so that it wasn't just a pandemic trend that we continue, you know, because it was like this and then maybe like this with the pandemic. So we sure don't want it to flatline again. We want people to read and take action on what they're learning from books like yours and the work that we're doing in person and writing about, etc. And I know you even have some online courses on this subject. Can you just tell us what those are and how we can access them? Well, as I said, you know, setting books is, is one thing. Um, practicing the skills to me is far more important. And that's also the whole reason why I've set up some online courses. They're still all in development, or not all of them, but some of them are still in development. But I think the first uh, four or five are already live. So I have in total three books in the series, of which the first two have been published. And the the last one is due to be published early next year. And for the first book, I'm developing a series of 10 different courses. Ooh, okay. With a slightly different focus. And and they're not huge courses. I mean, they're, they're all sort of courses that I'm trying to work on the base of about 10 study hours per course. So they're okay. all a little, they're, they're sort of very nice chunks. So you can do a chunk, you can practice for that chunk, you can learn from that chunk, and then you're ready for the next chunk, you take the next chunk. That's sort of the idea. Right. And the, the the first chunk is absolutely free, so that's something that anybody can um, can go into my website and they can sign up and they can do it. Uh, they don't even have to buy a book for it because uh, everything that you need is already on the website in uh, packaged in the course itself. So you can read that online, you can practice it online, all those kind of things. Wonderful. So that's my idea, really. Okay. Well, thanks for putting that out into the world. So... Just want to summarize some of the, the key highlights for me in the the conversation. And the biggest one, as you just said, was emotion does belong in the workplace. And it's up to leaders to be mm-hmm. observational listeners and have their antennas up for those emotions, which means they have to listen with their full body, not just their mm-hmm. ears. And when they notice an incongruency between the emotions and what people are saying, don't just let it be, 
ask the questions, mm-hmm. collect, have empathy for it. And that, you know, this is like a crescendo that helps mm-hmm. create cycle safety, that helps people feel more motivated, that yes. helps people be happier sure. and more productive and it reduces turnover. Mm-hmm. So this lovely domino effect that you have clearly laid out for us today. So I thank you very much for being on the show. Absolutely my pleasure. Terrific. Well, Marcus, thank you again. Leadershifters, thank you for listening and or watching. And until next time. Thank you for listening to today's episode. Go to theleadershiftproject.com to sign up for the Scoop newsletter and explore all the resources from this podcast in the show notes. And follow me on Instagram at The Leadership Project and LinkedIn under my name, Shani Magoski, for inspiration and content about all things leadership. Make it a great day.